Well, after the uh, microphone troubles that Jason had this morning, we decided to give him the rest of the morning off. I wasn't, uh, uh, I assure you when that microphone first cut out, I checked every wire I had on me three times to make sure everything was all right. And it happened again. But I will tell you that as is our custom in the sound booth, when we pray, we're praying right along with you in mind and spirit, but it is our custom to keep our eyes on what's going on on the stage in case something goes wrong. And it was a pleasure to see a man think on his feet. That microphone cut out and he, and he went back to another man. He was, he was quick. He was on the move this morning. Well, my name is David Higgins, and I am the uh, Life Group Coordinator, if you will. And so, because it is Life Group Sunday, I get the privilege of speaking to you a few minutes. And so, what is Life Group Sunday? Well, you can sign up for a Life Group any week at Cornerstone, but this is the one week of the year that you get the opportunity to actually speak to all of the Life Group leaders, find out what they're going to be studying during the new ministry year, and you can either... Uh, if you've never been in a group, you can sign up to get in a group. Or if you're in a group and are thinking about changing, that's perfectly acceptable. So you can uh, shop around a little bit and see what's going on and maybe find a group that fits you. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, and uh, before we do that, uh, I'm going to lead a, give you a little bit of a message about... Uh, we've been going through a, a series on church membership. And the last couple of weeks, uh, Jason's taken us in Acts 242... Um, and, and we're going to continue in there this morning. Uh, but, but before we get started, I just wanted to kind of ask you a question. Uh, I'm just curious as to why you, and I want you to think about it for a second, why not the person next to you, but why you individually came here this morning. And for some of you, the answer to that might be, well, because my spouse drug me here. For some of you, it might be, well, I come every Sunday. It might be a box that you check. Um... Some of you probably say, I came to study God's word, or I enjoy worshiping. I hope you would, all of you would say that. And by the way, before I forget, we talked about this morning, uh, we always thank our worship team for the worship. By the way, our new worship leader for a little while, that was John Bartholomew, for those of you that don't know him. And uh, he has been gracious enough to volunteer to fill in for a few months while the elders uh, decide which direction they're going to go on the worship. So he'll be, he'll be up here, and we are appreciative for Folks that can just continue to step up and step in. We certainly miss Chris, but we're thankful for John. So as you think about why you're here this morning, I mean, I ask that question because, I mean, a lot of people aren't here this morning. I mean, there's churches all over town that are full, but the campgrounds and the golf courses are full as well, right? Well, I mean, they would be if we hadn't had four inches of rain, but usually they're full. Um, And in this time of year, Sunday is really for a lot of folks just tailgate time, right, to get ready for a football game this afternoon. People worship football this time of year. And so uh, church is not anything that's really interesting to them. And so my question is, why are you here this morning? And as I was thinking about this message for the last couple of weeks, it was interesting that last week when Nick came up and gave the announcements, and you don't remember this, I remember it because of what was going through my head. But what he said was that um, every week he looks forward to coming and, and gathering with this community, with this family. I think those were his exact words. Do you look forward to that? I mean, is that why you come here every week? It's why Connie comes. That's it, I'm out. Thank you very much. 
That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And we're going to, we're going to again, start in Acts 2.42. But we're going to be all over the place. And we're going to do it pretty fast. Um, I already wanted to have an abbreviated message. And then, um, then we had some beautiful baby dedications. And we had an elder confirmation. And so now we're going to go at hyperspeed through this message. I may cut some of it. But we're again in Acts 2.42 is where we're going to kind of start. And then we're going to work our way through some other scriptures. But... As we've been talking the last couple of weeks, Acts 2.42 says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So Jason, for the last couple of weeks, has talked about their devotion, and last week in particular, their devotion to the teaching and to Scripture. So this week, we're going to talk about their devotion to fellowship and how nicely that leads into life groups. Um, So growing up, we had a fellowship hall. Any of you have fellowship halls in the church that you went to? Yeah, everybody had a fellowship. We don't have a fellowship hall. We have a gathering hall. Same thing. Our fellowship hall where I grew up was what we would call a cafe gymatorium, right? Okay, so you could go in there and eat. We had potlucks in there. We played basketball and volleyball in there. And then we had plays and presentations. We did everything in the fellowship hall. So if we met for anything other than church, it was in the fellowship hall. That's where the church gathered. And so we had a lot of fellowship in there. Uh, and it's good, right, for the church to come together. I mean, we know that that's true. And by, the, the scriptures are clear that that's true, that we should come together. And God designed us that way. God didn't design us as loners. Have, have any of you watched, and I, I confess, because I will probably not watch another episode of it, but I have seen a couple of episodes. Any of you watching Castaways, this new t- the, they, good, don't bother. They, they take these people and they just dump them on an island, right? And they're all by themselves. You know, the first time I saw the commercial for it, I, I like that show when it was first Survivor. I mean, I get it, but it, this is different. So they dump them out there, and the first thing most people do is they go try to find somebody else. They don't worry about building a hut or hunting food. They go try to find another person. That's what we do. We need other people. And particularly in the church, we need each other. You know, from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Why wasn't it good for us to be alone? I mean, was God not enough? Really? The answer, yes, absolutely he was. But for whatever reason... He decided and he understood and he knew that we needed assistance here. We needed other people. We needed a helper. So let's think about what Christian fellowship is really. And the first thing we're going we're gonna to say is Christian fellowship is a, it's a union or a bond. Okay, so in 1 Corinthians 1.9, Paul says that we were called into the fellowship of his son. Jesus Christ, our Lord, which means probably both that we were called into fellowship vertically, right, in union with Christ. Is that me, Jeff? In partnership with Christ. And at the same time, that, that puts us in a fellowship and a union with all other believers. We're in fellowship with those around us. So we have a vertical fellowship that extends to those around us. And that fellowship is fantastic. I mean, it's really hard to define, and there's really no good words for it. 
That fellowship unites us in a profound and eternal relationship of love that should express itself in joyful and affectionate service for each other's good. It should do that. So that's really what we're going to talk about the rest of the morning is we are in fellowship with God and we are in fellowship with each other. But how does that express itself and what does it look like? So my lame attempt at defining what that fellowship looks like or what fellowship expressing itself, I tried to define it. I think we've got a slide for it. The fellowship of the body is the interaction of believers using their spiritual gifts in service to one another. That's my take. And this church in Acts 2.42 was very much involved in that. And that's really, you know, elsewhere in Scripture, that's what 1 Corinthians 12 is all about, right? That's what it tells us. We're all different. We're all one body. We are different. We have different functions, but we all need each other to serve each other. So when you receive Jesus Christ, you become a partner with him. And you also become a partner with every other Christian in the world. And that will never change. That partnership is constant. You are always in that fellowship. But you lose the joy of that fellowship when you don't participate in it. Okay? So that's my second point up there is that fellowship is permanent, but the joy comes and goes as you participate in the fellowship. For example, I didn't have to go to the men's breakfast yesterday. And I would have still been in fellowship with the men of this church, with all of you, because that's constant. But I went to the breakfast yesterday and I participated in it and was eternally blessed by it. And I love the way God surprises us sometimes, okay? So we've got a a, a team of guys that's cooking breakfast Okay, so I'll give you a window into my soul, so get prepared, all right? We're cooking breakfast for what I'm considering probably, because we don't take a, we don't know how many people folks are coming, we just take a shot at it. So I'm figuring around 20 folks, maybe 30. And then about, it, the breakfast was at 8, so at 7.50, a van pulls into the parking lot from the Nehemiah house, and there's 15 guys on there. And I immediately turned to Jim and I said, put more pancakes on the griddle. I'm thinking we're going to run out of food. And so I started thinking about everything. Really what I started thinking about is the problems that this is going to cause. Well, it turns out we had enough food. Everybody ate. And we had a little bit of a a time in God's word. And then we just all prayed together. And I'm thinking these guys are probably not going to say a word all morning. They don't know anybody in that room. They're all kind of sitting at the same table. Now, we've, we've spoke to all of them. But when it comes to a prayer time... And we're praying for the needs of our church, and I just figured we won't hear a word from him. Well, the second guy to pray was one of the men from the Nehemiah house, and man, he prayed. (laughs) I don't know how else to put it. He prayed with the Spirit of God, man. I mean, it was a blessing. And I just thought, thank you, Lord, for bringing him. It was such a blessing to be in this fellowship. And so it was just a joy. That's the joy of fellowship. And if you're not there to participate in it, you don't get it. So in Acts 2, this church, this beautiful newborn church that churches throughout the ages have been trying to duplicate, right? They're in their prime, and the memory of Jesus is vivid, right? He just left. 
and the gifts of the Spirit are fresh and new. And these people wanted to be together. So you might say, well, it was easier for them because they were that close to it. I mean, they were more on fire and passionate about it. I I get that. They should have been passionate and on fire about it. But actually, we're going to see a little later on, we'll kind of double back around to it. We should be more passionate about it today because it's more important now than it was then. We'll get back to that. Let's go back to Acts 2.42 and let's, let's add a few verses on to it. Acts 2.42 through 45, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, I don't know if you ever really just kind of sit and let that wash over you, (laughs) but that's fellowship we don't understand right there. That's amazing fellowship. And what strikes you is this common shared life, and it's all bound up in fellowship. It's all born from the fellowship. Even going forward, we see right there in those accompanying verses, the breaking of bread and prayer, that's, that's born out of fellowship. It's an extension of fellowship, and all the believers were together. They even held their possessions in common trust. They loved each other. They encouraged each other, and they shared their problems. How did they know somebody needed something? Because they shared those things with each other. I mean, I'm sure they had just some fun fellowship from time. I mean, I imagine there were some mean bagel tournaments every now and then, occasionally. But this fellowship went much deeper than that. Now, for fellowship to kind of get beyond the superficial, to get meaningful and deep, that fellowship needs some closeness. That fellowship needs a life group. That's where you get it here at Cornerstone. You're going to get fellowship on Sunday mornings, but if you want to get deep, close relational fellowship, it's going to be in a life group. And when everybody's committed to a life group, when all the members are committed and devoted to fellowship, what can happen from that? Well, I'm going to have three points quickly here. First one I'm going to expand on quite a bit. The second two we'll just kind of mention and move on. But my first point this morning is that through our fellowship, God's power is unleashed. And you're going to sit there and think, oh, come on, David. I mean, God can do what he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. He can display his power anytime. And you're right. But what he does a lot of the time is he displays it through you, through us, as we gather together. And you can just look all the way through. We can cite times this happened in Acts for the rest of the morning. So let's just do that. In Acts 1... 14. You don't need to turn to all these, okay? We're going to hit them quickly. And then one of them, I think, will even be on the screen. But in Acts 1.14, Luke tells us that all the believers, right after Christ had ascended into heaven, um, the apostles returned to Jerusalem, and they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James, And what they did was they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So the first thing they do once Jesus is gone is they get in the group. 
and they stay in it constantly. Fellowship time together, praying and worshiping. And in a corresponding passage, right at that same time over in Luke, he tells us that during that time, they also went together to the temple continually, blessing God, blessing God with great joy. And after days of that taking place, what happens? Well, that's where you get to Acts 2. That's Pentecost, right? After they'd done that for days, it says the Spirit of God fell on them and there was an explosion. And 3,000 people were converted in one day. Now that's powerful fellowship. Back where we are this morning, that leads us right back to Acts 2.42. We read the first few passages. We'll pick it up in verse 46. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So what do you see in there? Every day they met together at the temple in their homes. This newborn church continues the tradition of small groups. In Acts chapter 4, verses 31 through 35, you remember the story? Peter and John have been arrested for preaching and, and they've been released and they went to one of these fellowship groups in the city that was earnestly praying for them. And they asked to be able to teach with even more boldness and power. And the fellowship of the group was explosive. I think this one's on the screen for you. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly, just like they'd asked to do. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. <laughs> but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that there were no needy persons among them. Nobody needed anything. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses, they just sold them. And they brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and they said, give it to whoever needs it. And it was distributed. <laughs> That's powerful fellowship. Acts 13, too, a different kind of explosion. The prophets and teachers in Antioch meet. They're kind of having a staff meeting, if you will, of sorts. And they're gathered together planning their future. And uh, it says that in that little fellowship group at that time, the Holy Spirit said to them, plain as can as be, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work for which I've called them. Out of this little fellowship group, through the prayers that they prayed, a pretty decent missionary team was put, into, put to work. A missionary team that changed the history of the world. In Acts 16.25, the last one. We, we could do this all morning. I'll give you one last one. 16.25, Paul and Silas are in prison for preaching. In this dirty, disgusting prison. And their life is on the line. And they decided to turn it into a little fellowship. And they praised God. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose 
The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul said, don't worry, we're here. It's just a beautiful example of two men who turn terribleness into fellowship. It's powerful togetherness. And I like it. It almost gets more powerful the smaller it gets. So the second thing we're going to look at this morning is that fellowship is our basis for love and encouragement. Now, we kind of know that to be true, right? We're going to, we're going to lean on Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. That's the interesting part to me. It's all good, but all the more as you see the day approaching. So we thought, well, it was easier for them because they were closer to it. But Scripture says, no, you need to be more about it now. Is the day closer now than it was then? Yeah. All the more as you see the day approaching. We should be spending more time together studying, praising, praying, and encouraging each other, sharing our lives together. When you do that, everything we do becomes more powerful. It becomes better and easier. I mean, the deeper the fellowship you have in a life group, the easier the conversation, the more interesting the study, the deeper the study, the more powerful the prayer. The more time you spend together, the better. And the more that happens and the more we learn to love each other and the more we encourage each other, it's hard for people around us to be down. There, there are people all over this room hurting this morning. If we were in tighter fellowship, if we were sharing our needs, would there be that much pain? I'm not saying it will be easy, but you'd feel more loved and encouraged. I'm sure you'll take that. And then lastly this morning, genuine fellowship is attractive to others. So let's go back to our base text and let's finish it out, looking at the last several verses there in 46 and 7. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And as a result, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Such an explosive love and freedom and joy and the power of the Spirit, people were just coming. They could see it and they were coming because they wanted it. And as you think about that application for your life, it's true for other believers around you too that aren't participating in the fellowship, but for some of you, to the outside world, to those who aren't believers, you're the, you may be the only Christian they know. That's possible. And your casual approach to Christian fellowship can keep them from ever knowing the importance of it. If you place no importance on being here, that says something to them. But when they see you participating in fellowship and getting the joy that these folks had, they want to be a part of it. So fellowship is important. It's a command, it's for our benefit, and it displays God to others. 
So what do we need to look out for as we think about that this morning? Well, the dangers to fellowship are distraction. Okay, that's what keeps us away. And as always, there's the danger of sin. Now, Satan loves to distract us. That's his, I think that's his primary goal is to distract us. And do you think sometimes as you look around at society today that he kind of has us right where he wants us to some degree? I mean, I didn't bring my phone up here. Tethered so tightly to our devices. I mean, as you walk around and you see people's face buried in that thing and they're walking around with headphones in their ears, we're losing fellowship. And especially for the younger you get, the worse it is. We're losing the importance of meeting together. We're losing the importance of just talking to each other, having fellowship. And frankly, to not meet together is disobedience, and it's harmful to us. Why? Because of the things we talked about this morning. Well, if you're not getting love, and you're not getting encouragement, and you're not part of those deeper studies and those prayers, what happens? Another thing we have to be careful of, especially as we talk about life groups this morning, is we have some, we have some pretty deep and, and good fellowship pockets in this church, and some of them are in life groups right now. So my question to you is, and what I would ask you to watch out for is, in a little while, life group leaders and any members that want to hang around with them, they're going to be people coming to those tables who don't know a life group. And they're going to show some interest in yours and they're going to sign up and they're going to come. And what's going to happen when they come? Is your fellowship and your group so tight and so closed that they won't even feel welcome when they get there? They don't feel like they're a part of it. So that's the other side of it. You have to be careful that we don't get closed off in our fellowship. And then we're extending that to everyone. And then lastly this morning is sin. Don't let, don't let sin sever your fellowship this way or this way. Hebrews 3, 12 through 14 says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily. You just keep hearing that over and over every day, daily, every day, daily. As long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. That's the power, sorry, that's the danger of not participating in fellowship, a hard heart. Man, it's so much easier to be disobedient when you're not accountable to anyone, when nobody's praying for you when you're not sharing your problems with each other. Don't let that happen because what Scripture says is your heart's going to get hard and that is a place you do not want to be. You want to participate in fellowship. So that's what we're going to do this morning. If you are in this room and you are not in a home, I almost did it, home fellowship. If you're not in a life group, in uh, just a minute, we're going to turn the life group leaders loose to go to the foyer. And so almost every one of our two of our groups are not represented this morning because they could not take on another soul. They're jam full. 
But the rest of them are going to be back there, and they're going to have some information about what they're doing, and they would just like to welcome you and talk to you. And if, if you're interested in being in a life group, you know what? Even if you're not interested, stop and see if you get interested. Just stop and talk. Check it out. If you'd like to change groups, absolutely fine. I think the more people you get to know, the better the fellowship. But these small pockets are where it gets deep, where we make relationships, where lives are changed. And so it's important. Man, it's so important. And I know it's easy to push it off and say, well, next time. Okay. Watch your heart. It's hard to do by yourself, but you want to get in a group, we'll help you do it. We'll watch it for you. We'll watch each other.